Good morning again, Current Family. I'm so grateful for the opportunity to finish up this Uncharted series together. We really are living in unprecedented times in so many different kinds of ways, including the ways that we're waiting. Waiting in Costco and Trader Joe's lines six feet apart, waiting to see how this is all going to end, waiting to go to the bathroom in peace. One of our team members, she gave me permission to share, confessed this week that she's been hiding in the bathroom for alone time from her little ones during lockdown. It's a very real kind of waiting that we have. We're all waiting to see what the new normal is going to look like and waiting to be together with friends and family in person again. For our friends on the front lines, there's a significant waiting to see if the surge that's been predicted for California's hospitals is going to happen. One of our doctors was sharing that they're going to have to make some really difficult decisions if that does happen, and it's a difficult waiting to see. For some of us, this pandemic may complicate significant waiting in other areas of our life. We have good friends waiting for a baby to arrive and not knowing what giving birth is going to look like in the middle of a pandemic. You may be waiting to take the next step in a relationship or hoping that God will provide a life partner and meeting people or dating during a lockdown is really difficult. Maybe the waiting is job-related or financial, it's difficult to look for a new job right now, or even to get the kind of work that you're used to. Some of us are hoping for physical healing, and COVID-19 feels like it's getting in the way of that. In many ways, all of this might be exacerbating the waiting we already feel in key areas of our lives and make it seem like we have to put important things on hold. We're all in a time of waiting in one way or another, and we don't like to wait. We're an impatient generation, are we not? We're used to downloading, to instant pots that slow cook in 30 minutes, and to being able to place an order that will show up on our doorstep the same day. Instant gratification. But we're being forced to stop and wait in all different kinds of ways right now. And if we're real, I know it is for me, it's revealing weaknesses in us. Today's passage helps us to understand what waiting in light of eternal hope looks like and how we can receive God's help in it. Let's get into the passage and look at it together. Romans chapter 8, starting in verse 18. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Moving down to verse 22. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Last week, David looked at the hope of Easter, at death's defeat by Jesus on the cross, such that we have the opportunity to see death as a gardener, the seed of glory that is in us that will be revealed in all of us who have received him, verse 18 in today's passage. The promise that in death we will experience a renewal and beauty that we never will here on earth. This passage in Romans continues in that vein and gets real about how hard waiting with hope really is. Because even if we believe in this eternal hope, it doesn't mean that the day-to-day -day is easy as we wait. Hope requires waiting, and groaning is to be expected. 
Eternal hope means we are anticipating something that we are certain of, but do not yet see and do not yet have. There's a reason that we have common expressions like the grass is greener or familiarity breeds discontent because we are hardwired as humans to want what we do not have. Faith, by the very nature of it, is placed in something that we cannot see. Arguably, the best definition of faith in scripture is in the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, verse 1. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Our eternal hope is anchored in an assured future for us beyond what we experience here. And faith is all that Jesus asks of us to be able to receive this future. But the point is we're not there yet. We're in waiting. The word saved in verse 24 is a unique tense in the original language. It expresses a past action without indicating its completion. When we put our faith in Jesus, his righteousness from dying on the cross immediately covers our wrongs. But we still live here in this broken world and we will still do some broken things and are still waiting and yearning for that day when all will be renewed. There's a tension in the waiting that causes us to groan on this journey of faith. We see clearly from this passage that groaning is to be expected. We have all experienced the pain that comes with unfulfilled desire, whether that's for a child or a relationship or a job or maybe for the lockdown to end. Whatever it is for you, there is a groaning that comes with unfulfilled desire here in this life. One of our dearest friends in the East Bay waited six years for their second child. They went through all kinds of fertility tests, lost two precious babies to miscarriage during that process. And as you can imagine, or maybe you can resonate with, there was some serious groaning. I still remember getting the second phone call with the second consecutive miscarriage and my friend just broken down in despair. Such groaning that comes with waiting for the fulfillment of something good. It's real, it's to be expected, and we wanna give each other the space for the groaning even as we point each other to hope. We also see in this passage that groaning can be anticipatory and lead ultimately to joy. What really struck me from this passage is the analogy that's used with groaning in verse 22. We see that the groans of creation of this life, the suffering, the brokenness of relationships, the news cycles that get us down can be seen as the anticipatory pangs of childbirth and not the signs of despair that we might think them to be. The gospel, the good news of Jesus, shows that the brokenness and sufferings of this life are actually birth pains from a world that is broken and filled with poor human choices, which we will all make daily, into a renewed heaven and earth and eternity that we can put our hope in. I gave birth to our second child naturally, not by choice. I won't go into the details here, but let's just say that it was too late for an epidural. I feel I can represent with confidence that the pangs of childbirth are no joke. There's a reason that the Bible talks about them as birth pains. And yet the unbelievable joy of that moment when baby arrives, new life, the miracle of birth, the potential of this new little person, it's just, it's amazing. And the, 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 the joy that we feel, right? These are some of the babies born within the last year or so in our current family as a tangible reminder of that joy. Isn't it so fun? And believe it or not, that joy at baby's arrival is but a tiny glimmer of what we will experience when we arrive in glory. That's the promise that we see in scripture. 
Do we groan for that moment of ultimate redemption when we will be in a place with no more tears and no more pain in the same way that we do for unfulfilled desires here? Let's sit on that for a minute. Do we believe in the promise that God is working out everything for our good? And can we hold out hope in the midst of desires that are painful because they're as yet unfulfilled here? This feels hard, doesn't it? Because I would guess that upon reflection, if we're honest and I'll be the first, we tend to groan more for unfulfilled desires here that we can see than we do for the ultimate hope that we have in eternity. What is it that we groan after? Let's take time to reflect on this question. It might be revealing and humbling. I know it has been for me for understanding my weaknesses, the areas of my life where my hope is too small or maybe misplaced. And this passage is clear that we all have weaknesses. Paul, who was a pillar of the early church, uses the word us here in verse 26 very pointedly. Spirit helps us in our weakness. He's including himself in the weakness and the not knowing what to pray for. No one is so spiritual that they're exempt from weakness and can perfectly hold on to the hope of heaven at all times. Thankfully, we learn that we have help from God in all this, and the Spirit enlarges our hope of heaven and steers us for good. In verse 23, we are told that those of us who follow Jesus have the first fruits of the Spirit. First fruits is an agricultural term, the first product of a season to be followed later by a harvest. And this phrase in the original language can be understood to mean that the first fruits is the Spirit. In the moment that we make the decision to follow Jesus, to open the door to faith, the Holy Spirit is given to us as a deposit or a down payment on our assured future. A few chapters earlier in the book of Romans puts it this way, And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Romans 5.5 The Holy Spirit, God's helper, our advocate, is given to us. The scriptures teach that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, together one God, each present in the salvation of God's people and the building of God's kingdom. What is totally mind-blowing about this is that we have access to, we have deposited in us the same Holy Spirit that empowered Jesus, that he was filled with, that gave him the power for his ministry and to face death on the cross. I love reading the Bible with those who have recently put their faith in Jesus because it tends to make the power of the Holy Spirit so obvious. I got the chance to read some of the book of Mark 1 uh, over Zoom with somebody that put their faith in Jesus a couple of weeks ago. And an observation she made about God's love just brought me straight to tears. It was so fresh. Uh, it was something I had never seen in the text before. And it was just so clear that God was working with her, even over Zoom. The Spirit is deposited and present in us from the very moment that we reach out and we accept and say yes to Jesus and continues to be with us in our journey when we don't know what to pray or we don't know how to move forward. Going back to verse 26, it says that we don't know what we ought to pray for. The how here isn't talking about the specific phrases or the words that we use. It's not what God cares about. God searches our hearts as we pray. He cares about the content and the intent of our prayers. He 
wants to know. The verse also talks about the Spirit helping us in our weakness. It's coming off several verses talking about waiting with hope, waiting patiently with hope. So our weakness can at least in part be understood as our tendency to have hope that is too small or not placed in eternity and placed in things that we can see here. Because we are human, imperfect, and we can't see the full chessboard. We don't always know what we need, what the people that we're praying for need, or what God's will ultimately is. And so the Spirit intercedes for us in that, to increase our hope in heaven and in the will of God in our lives. David and I have these kid attachments that um, we use for Caleb and Maddie. It effectively turns our adult bikes into tandems. And the kids can help to pedal, um, but we maintain control of steering and stopping. Both of the kids are fully capable of riding their own bikes at this point, but we live on a busy street and we don't really trust them to stay in the bike lane yet. And so this is a happy compromise when we go out on a longer ride. It's one of our go-tos as a family right now, especially for exercise during the lockdown. And as you might expect, when two people are connected for some distance, it tends to be times when we hear a little bit about what's going on in their minds and their hearts. And as we ride, they have their own opinions on where to go and when to stop and when to go faster. And they definitely contribute. We, we feel it if they stop pedaling but they're ultimately not in control of the direction of the bike, which is a good thing because they often don't know how to get where we're going or where we should turn or what a safe route looks like in the middle of a busy intersection. Maddie is quite the backseat biker. Uh, she probably gets it from me um, and regularly requests that we go over speed bumps or into puddles or over some kind of hazard because she wants to go wee. And sometimes I'll do it to appease her because it's fun. But for the most part, I say no, because I know that it's dangerous or it's not good for the bike. We have to say no to bumps. We have to say no to going when it's red. We have to say no to going when there's a hazard in the intersection. And the kids might complain, but in general they trust and understand that it's being done for good. In many ways, the passage is saying that when we pray, we're like the kids riding on the tandem. Our part is important and God searches our heart in the process. It's building our relationship with him. But the Spirit is pedaling with us and interceding. As we pray for others, for ourselves, we can't fully see the best direction to go in, how to avoid dangers. But in our weakness, we can know that the prayers will be answered according to the will of God. The result is in God's hands. He will steer us through the traffic, help with the speed bumps and the hazards that we might think are good for us, and work out the ride for our good. The analogy obviously breaks down at some point, but the picture of the tandem helps me because look at the strong language here in verse 28. It's not a suggestion or even an encouragement. It's a promise. We know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. He's got it on lock. The traffic and the hazards, they're no match for God. We are told with certainty that God is managing each piece of our life, the unfulfilled desires, the loneliness, the struggles, weaving everything together for good. The Spirit helps us in our weakness by enlarging our hope, protecting our belief in this promise. If you have never put your faith in Jesus, the same Spirit we're talking about this morning is available to you as well. Maybe you've been trying to figure out what this Christian faith is all about, and you're coming to the place where you realize that you need to release control and just believe because God is in control of your life and not you. 
This may be the Holy Spirit tugging on your heart. Or maybe you've been away from your faith for a while. You stopped talking to Jesus and you're not plugged into relationships with other Christians. You feel tugging on your heart during this time to get more engaged. That might just be the Holy Spirit. If either of these is you today, we would love to connect with you further. You can share whatever information you're comfortable with on our connection card and we'd love to get you some resources and to follow up with you. You're also welcome to join us for our welcome lunch today. We would love to have you. For those of us that follow Jesus, what is it that we're groaning after today? What, peace, what place of waiting are you in today that might be shrinking your hope and making it hard for you to claim the promise that God is steering your life for good? What would it look like for us this week to reflect or even rest in the promise that all the pieces of our life, the suffering and waiting included, are not death knolls as we might think, but birth pains being knit together for the beauty that is to come? If there's an area of your life that you want to ask for prayer over or you want to claim this promise together in verse 28, we encourage you to go over to the prayer Zoom room and our team would love a chance to pray with you. Let's pray together now. Lord Jesus, we confess that in our times of waiting, we are weak. We don't get it all right. We don't know what to pray for. But thank you for the promise that you meet us in this, that you're steering our lives for good. Whether we're reaching out to you today for the first time or the thousandth time, would you make your presence clear to us and help us to know that we can trust you. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.